Hey there, this is Jeff Finley, and you're listening to the Maker Mistaker Podcast. Today on the show, I've got a very unique guest. Her name is Unicole Unicron. Her bio says she's a pop star cult leader and digital salvationist, or spiritual transhumanist. She is highly productive and creates content on a variety of platforms. And she is very unique, and I just recently kind of started getting more into her work. I had seen her around on various YouTube starseed channels and spiritual kind of... Um, coaches and stuff like that and and actually our good friend Krista Risa the galactic fairy who was on an episode of the maker mistaker podcast a few episodes ago I was just talking to her about a new project I'm working on and then she brought Nic uh, Unicole up and I was like it, she said that she's selling her own porn film for $222 on a VHS tape and and we were both laughing about that and then I looked her up and she had a really compelling story. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to bring her on the show. So this should be a really interesting episode. But before I bring her on, just a quick few updates from me. So I am selling my starseed patches. Um, you can get them at makermistaker.com slash patches. And the, the news on this is that I started a company called the Starseed Supply Company. And there's only three patches available right now. But I'm planning to create a much bigger store with more of my own products, my own t-shirts and patches and buttons and pins and accessories, but then also potentially include the creations of other star seeds and conscious creators. So I'm pretty excited about that and we'll see where that goes. But you can get stuff at makermistaker.com slash patches or if you go to starseedsupply.com, it'll forward you right where you need to go. And then secondly, the other thing I just re released today was these uh, peaceful alarm ringtones that you can put on your Android or iPhone. Um, my good friend Els, I just talked to her last night and she talked, she told me that she hates waking up to the shitty alarm ringtones that are on her phone every morning. And she, so I had, I made one for her since I produce music. I would made her a little peaceful, more like, um, just calming, uh, mood. And she loved it. And then, so she's like, you need to make more of these and sell them. I bet you more people would buy them. So I made three more and, um, put them out there. So you can find those, um, at gum.co slash alarms that's gum.co slash alarms <laughs> all right so all right now without further ado let's bring unicorn on the show this is unicorn unicron welcome to the maker mistaker podcast hello thank you so much for having me definitely so i just found out about you really hardcore like a couple of days ago and then now i'm now we're talking to each other on the maker mistaker podcast so can you was my bio sufficient for you or is there anything else you'd like to add um, it's really hard to define like everything that I do. Like, I mean, saying that I'm highly productive is probably the best way to say it, but <laughs> yeah. I usually define myself right now as a pop star cult leader. Um, but that's what I consider like a temporary title. Um, I'm going to be, you know, developing and growing more into an entrepreneur. I do have, you know, a lot of entrepreneurial uh, projects already, but it's easier for me to try to focus by labeling myself pop star cult leader at this time. <laughs> Yeah, that is pretty interesting. Like not many people label themselves as cult leader and who are so outward, outwardly with it because, you know, and I've noticed I went through your website and I've noticed you do this a lot. You kind of um, reclaim some of the terms that have been used by um, the powerful and menacing, you know, the malevolent power structure like brainwashing and cults. And you, so you're calling yourself outwardly a cult leader. Um, where, why did you come up with that? What did you, what's that all about? 
it's really branding. Well, it started as branding and it's really um, got a lot of deeper stuff as well. But um, first of all, like my message is that we're all one and that we can all be happy. And if I just walked around like skipping and telling everyone that and, like, you know, nobody would care. Um, for, some people would care, but I feel like the most people who would be drawn to that purely positive uh, branding would already be in a higher place. And so what I do is I take this darker, a kind of a cult like branding, um, just cult leader, you know, brainwashing, you know, cult. And, um, and that does draw in like this more um, disenchanted, cynical audience. And that's, those are the people who I'm actually really going to be helping the most because people who are drawn to the more positive vibes are already on the path to joy. So the people who are drawn to the more like darker, kind of spookier, scarier, um, aspect then those are the people who actually can benefit the most from my messages oh yeah that's such a good way to think about it and and you definitely have the branding thing down which is something i'm pretty excited about because i'm a designer and i've been you know doing graphic design for the past 12 years so um and also i'm really into like the occult and the esoteric sort of aesthetic you know and you you blend that with like this um bright colors and rainbows and at the same time, you got this like vintage sort of retro VHS kind of pixelated vibe. And where did you come up with your design and your your look? Um, I think my aesthetic is really just like I really like like rainbow on black, and I think that's really symbolic and metaphoric. You know, you got a black background and like rainbows, and like that um, to me is just like beautiful. But also um, the I, I do have this like really like DIY like um, yeah VHS aesthetic, and um, that really just comes from me not knowing what I'm doing. So I <laughs> wasn't like very good. I think it's the same with like how Tim and Eric started. Um, they you know I think that their aesthetic kind of grew from them really being limited by their capabilities, and then that just became their aesthetic, um, even as they progressed technologically. So I really think that that's probably similar to what I'm going through um, my editing skills are getting you know much better my digital editing skills and my design skills um, but I'm still holding on to that original place where I started um, it's been really fun to to mess with that yeah I know so you're definitely pretty talented and very prolific one of the more prolific starseed creators that I've seen um, would you call yourself a starseed yeah, and I mean, all star seeds are crazy prolific. You know, you look at them and they're making 10 times as much as other people um, who aren't tapped in like that. But yeah, I'm definitely a star seed. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I would, I would, I would agree with that too. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you got started. Like, how old are you now? And when, when did this all begin for you? Were you always this spiritually kind of um, interesting or what? Um, I usually say I'm 100 because I don't really believe in age and I don't really want that energy of like aging. I'm just going to be young forever pretty much and creating. Um, but I am 28 and um, I really started creating more um, around 2012. Mm -hmm. You know, like we all went through that awakening and um, we didn't, it didn't feel like an awakening. It felt more like just pain. <laughs> Oh yeah. Because I think Definitely. when you first start awakening, um, you're just becoming aware of all the crap that's going on. And mm -hmm. so um, for me, like 20, 2012 uh, really was like the when I woke up to like the fact that I had a purpose, um, that I was, you know, a, a starseed. And I didn't really fully understand what a starseed was or anything like that. I didn't have that um, in my reality at the time. But spiritually, I started to like look into self-help books. I've like I'm a really big reader and I've worked in bookstores and 
um, libraries. And so I spent a lot of my time while I was on the clock just actually reading. So <laughs> I would be just like cruising through as many books as I could. And that's where I've really compiled a lot of the ideas um, for Unicult and, and how I've shaped my life and how I've come into my own understanding and awakening is really through um, reading and exploring. Yeah, so what were you doing before 2012? Were you just living a normal life, quote unquote? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a really painful, dark existence. Um, I was diagnosed with severe depression and anxiety in 2005. And then I was on heavy meds um, for five or six years and um, tried to kill myself. I was hospitalized twice and was miraculously saved. It's quite a story, um, <laughs> and it's true, but it's where I come from, you know, that really dark, uh, overthinking, overcritical, over cynical, um, nothingness kind of mindset. Mm -hmm. And so growing from that and realizing my purpose and realizing, um, you know, that, that hopefulness can exist and that we actually can rise into a higher way of being both as individuals and as planetary on the global scale um, is really what I'm all about. Yeah, I know. I can totally relate because in 2013, I was going through my depression period, actually all of 2012, probably 2011, you know, and it wasn't until 2013 that I told my, you know, business partners and loved ones that I was depressed. And it was a really embarrassing admission because, you know, it's like, we're not supposed to be depressed in society. And if we are, it's like, we're this helpless person. And, but so many people are depressed, you know, and it's like when I, when I came out as a depressed person on my blog, it's like people were just like, oh, my gosh, like I've been going through very similar stuff. And, and it's interesting that it times up with 2012 as well, because I wasn't ex I didn't know what was coming up next. All I knew is I just wanted I was burnt out on all of the things I was interested in before. Like I had was depressed because I was no longer enjoying my job anymore and, and the life that I was living, which I thought was like my passion and everything I was hoping for. Um, and then the awakening started happening in 2013. So perhaps it was December 2012 when things really started to kick into gear because January was when I told people I was depressed. And then once I did that, it was like one thing after another was a little bit of relief. And it was like this like rope that I was grabbing on that I could only see like, you know, literally a few feet in front of me, but I was pulling it and it was like this help, you know, and it, and it came in the form of other people and other articles and self-help books and stuff like that that really re I resonated with. Was there anything... For you that you really resonated with book wise or article or person wise that came into your life to help you get you out of depression i had a healer um come into my life um he was my boyfriend at the time and i met him when i moved on to a farm um this was in gosh i don't know 2010 or so mm -hmm. um so i didn't know anything about space or healing or energy or crystals or anything i was just like um, I really, I really grew up buying into culture and reading magazines and, um, I was a cheerleader, a tennis player, you know, in drama club. I was just like this, like kind of overachiever who never fit in and, um, never really succeeded, even though I was always like trying to, and it, I never really figured out why it wasn't working for me to like fit into society as it stood. And I think that's partly why I became depressed. Cause I was like, nothing is working. Like, I hate this. <laughs> this is like, yeah, yeah. So, like I had everybody's expectation of what it meant to be um, a person of my gender, of my age. And I was trying to do them all and they were totally unfulfilling. And so I think that's why I got depressed. But then after um, that in like 2010, I met this really magical healer who um, totally changed my life. And um, 
I mean, I really owe him so much. It was after I um, attempted suicide and then came back and um, I was just like really dazed. I was like, I don't know what is going on. And then this person, of course, like a really angelic presence came into my life and um, taught me about crystals, taught me about energy work, taught me about healing. We spent um, three months in a cabin in um, the, on the Oregon coast, just um, in nature. And I, I was able to get off antidepressants during that time. And, um, and that really helped. And then, um, and then it was just like slow progression and then um, a lot of societal progression, figuring out how to um, get out of uh, minimum wage jobs, figuring out how to, because I have my degree in English, so that's like, great, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, getting into the tech industry. And then um, I did end up working for um, telecommunication companies. I ended up working for IBM for two years. And um, so, yeah, anyway, my main my main awakening, my biggest awakening as far as like starseed and like getting in contact with my guides and everything was after I read the book, We the Arcturians. And that book was channeled during the month and the year of my birth. And I was like, oh, oh my God, like this is true. I just knew it was true. And I'm a really, really, really logical person. So I'm usually like, even though I was spiritual before that, I was spiritual just because I believed that it was benefiting me. And I was like, I don't care if this is true or not. Like, I'm just going to believe whatever benefits me because I need to stay alive for my family. Like, I don't want to kill myself. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to like logically believe this, even if it's not true, it doesn't matter. But then last year, February, 2015, I read We the Arcturians and I got in contact with my guides again and I realized exactly what my purpose is, like exactly, you know, like just total awakening. It was really mm. insane. It was really, really intense. Wow. Okay. So you went from being sort of into self-help and spirituality, kind of basic stuff. And then the We the Arcturians is what flipped you into the more starseed cosmic stuff. Totally. That's when I found Christina Martin. That's when I found all the other star seeds, um, Krista, you know, Arcturus Ra, like just mm -hmm. been watching all of their videos um, in, in awe, you know, like, how could you be so brave? And, and then you get your, you, you get your own downloads and you're like, well, it's not really bravery. It's just like being what you need to be. And um, it is, it does take bravery as well, but it's, yeah. it's so fascinating from an outside perspective and then to go into that and be like, oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> was there something that you saw in Christina Martin and Krista Risa and all those people that were on YouTube already kind of talking about Starseed stuff? Was there something you saw in them that inspired you to want to do it yourself? Oh, yeah. Um, Christina and I are good friends. And so um, I actually got home. I was on vacation when I read We the Arcturians. I was in the Colorado mountains. Um, and I got home and I was like Googling Arcturians because I had never heard of Arcturians. And I had heard of Pleiadians before, but I, the Pleiadian texts kind of make me uncomfortable, um, which is so funny because no, I haven't really heard anybody else like say, like it's like blasphemy to like say that I don't resonate with the Pleiadians, but um, sure. yeah. they're, they're always like saying like things like they're like tricking us, even though it's for our own good. And I get that now actually, but like back then it really didn't resonate with me. I was really like, well, that's not cool, <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, I had never heard of Arcturian. So I was Googling them and that's when I found Christina Martin. And then seriously, um, March, that was in February. In March, she was interviewing me. And then um, in April, I made my first video. So it was all connected and seeing Christina. And like, I know that I, you know, have a lot to say on these topics and stuff. And other people were asking me to make videos. So it was a perfect platform that I had never even considered. And I was really grateful to be connected to Christina to mm -hmm. find that. Yeah. So this is when April of 2015. 
-hmm. So that's when you first started really your YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Okay. So did you have a website before that? Were you already putting out like blog content or? Yeah, music? I had a lot of um, content. I had both unicolunicron.com and universe.com, ones for I's and threes for E's, which is the Unicult website. And I was making music. I've been making music a really long time. Um, and I've been brainwashing since 2012. I love that. I've been brainwashing since 2012. Who, sa who says that? <laughs> Unicron, Unicron says that. So tell me about your brainwashing thing. Brainwashing is one of my favorite topics. The way I define brainwashing is um, internalizing any information without giving it deeper consideration. So we do this all the time because there's so much stimuli, stimuli in our world that we cannot actually take in every single thing. It's pretty um, like gestalt basically discovered this and, um, and defined this concept. Um, but we basically take in just cues from the world and we'll pick up on certain things. And then the rest of it is really subconscious and unconscious. And it still is affecting us and it still is going on um, in, our, in our mindset. So, uh, and affecting us deeply. And there's, I, like I said, I'm a reader. There's tons of studies that subliminal messaging works and that it's being used on us. And um, brainwashing is something that is, it's cultural. I think of it as a narrative, like um, the story that we tell ourselves about the world and about our position in the world. That's something that we don't always think deeply about and we just kind of accept without question. So it's really just about thinking deeply. And I do use brainwashing because I do realize there are things in media and as a media creator that will affect the end user subliminally, subconsciously. And so I use overt and subconscious um, and I present them um, that way. And then people will be internalizing these concepts, but they're aligned with the highest good and they're aligned with um, the growth and progression and healing for everyone and who's going to be exposed to them rather than greed, mm -hmm. which is what brainwash brainwashing has been used for. Yeah. So basically it's a technology that's been used um, for harmful methods and now I'm repurposing it for good. Yeah, I thought that was really, really exciting and really interesting because yeah, it has been used and, the, and just the term brainwashing is like, well, that's negative right off the bat. You know, you don't want to be brainwashing, but then you, when you describe it and then you're actually very overt as the person, you're like, I will be brainwashing you. And then, <laughs> and the person is choosing to allow themselves to be brainwashed. And, but your message is about living in a state of joy. Yeah. Know? Living and, in a state of near constant joy. And joy is like a really massive state of being. It's a lot more than just happiness and, and uh, contentment. So can you describe what joy is to you? Yeah, I've come to realize that joy is actually all authentic emotion. So, um, I mean, pretty much all emotion is authentic, but when you're recognizing it as authentic emotion and when you're living in that authentic emotion instead of suppressing it or repressing it, then you rise up into a state of joy. And I didn't realize that I, I've been focused on joy for so long, but um, I wasn't always aligned with the new age side of things. I, I've, I'm more of like a, um, like a subculture kind of like trying to be like hip and cool kind of, that's where I kind of started, you know, it's like more like the art community. Yeah, and totally. then I came into the new age understandings and they aligned with what I was trying to do. Um, and I realized that joy is just like what I call the path to joy is just exactly the same as ascension of what spiritual communities call ascension. Mm -hmm. So if you know about that, it's literally the same thing with different words. Yeah. And tell me more about like, you were this hip, cool, artistic, so you were not involved in the new age community. So there's this whole like new age religion, right? And Cameron Day calls it the new cage, which I think is kind of interesting because it's 
you know, he, he talks about it's another religion to get yourself all wrapped up in with their, with their methodologies and their dogma and stuff like that. But you seem like you're much more independent outside of that. Yeah, it's mo mostly my whole goal is to get people to think deeply or think for themselves, which is really not what most cult leaders are doing, which is why I call myself a cult leader, because somebody tweeted, actually, they they tweeted, I don't think that if you were a real cult leader, you'd be calling yourself a cult leader. You know, <laughs> it's like, thank you, you got it. Like, you get it. Like, if, exactly. if you're actually a cult leader, you're not going to be like overtly calling yourself. And I am a cult leader. It's like when you think of it as like a cult movie or like, I'm like kind of a I am a cult leader, it's it's not untrue. But at the same time, I'm not like the scary kind that people are always attributing, like in the sense that I'm um, controlling people. What I'm doing is waking people up. Yeah, and you, well, you have an energy about you that is playful and fun, but and you're really honest, it sounds like, you know, because you're really overt with saying, I am a cult leader, I am, here's my brainwashings, and people can take it or leave it, you know, you say, join the unit cult. You know, it's really, if you take all that stuff out of it, all the esoteric imagery and graphics, you're literally like any other entrepreneur who's saying like, join my community, you know, join my forum, the social media site. And, and when you say I am a cult leader, that's a really good affirmation. You know, it's like, you have to believe it within yourself for it to happen. And, yeah. and that reminds me of what you talked about when um, you said that you're obsessed with celebrity. Uh, can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, I um. Like I told you, I was raised really into culture and like really into society as it stands. And I, I realize now that that was kind of how I've been like programmed to come to earth so that I could learn all of these things so I could translate these new age ideas um, into. And when I say new age, I'm talking about like the ideas that starseeds are bringing to earth, like like the literal new age um, of enlightenment and love and peace and translating those into these old systems. And so that's really my gift and my skill and my purpose. But as far as celebrities go, like when I was a kid, I had, you know, just my walls were just plastered in celebrity pictures. And I um, I am always writing letters to celebrities. Even now I'm, I'm fully empowered as a person and I don't see anybody above me or below me. I see myself as completely equal to everyone. And that's a huge deal to feel that way and actually um, embody that. But mm -hmm. I still can't stop writing letters to celebrities. I just love celebrities. And um, yeah, celebrity culture is huge. We, okay. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's our religion. It's our true religion people have religion and they go to church or whatever and they spend as, this many hours doing this and they pray for this much time every day but then they'll spend hours and hours watching keeping up with the kardashians you know or um like what are you really spending your time doing who are you really idolizing what morals are you really aligning with our celebrities are spiritual leaders we take our cues from them we 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 act and behave and we frame our desires based on what we see them doing and acting like and being. And so to have such vapid spiritual leaders um, in in the spotlight and to have articles like, you know, Tara Reid dyed her hair blonde, like that's an article. Like I saw that on my news feed, like, wow, like that is really news, you know? And so yeah. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that because it's, it's such a huge um, brainwash in the sense that it's in, influencing everyone on this level especially people who are paying attention to that kind of thing and um and it could be so much better yeah why do you think that our culture is so obsessed with celebrity it's idolization it's it's um 
it's the it's fanatics. The fan comes from religious fanatic. It's natural. I think it's a natural inclination, especially when we have a capitalist structure where we're really raising certain things and people up to be at the top of this false pyramid. Um, and so when we've got that whole structure set up, it feels really good to participate within that structure because that's validating. And so to look up to these false idols, um, and they're only false in the sense that there's nothing wrong with, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with idolizing a person or an idea or a play, you know, anything like that. The problem comes when you're idolizing it and you gain nothing. You know, if you, if you put someone up on a pedestal and you're like, oh, I want to be and do everything like this person, and then you're not actually gaining anything or internalizing that in a way that's going to be aligning with your true heart and your true purpose. And it's, it's all just like this empty, like money-making machine, then um, it's going to be empty. I forgot what you asked me. Well, why do you think our culture is obsessed with uh, celebrity? Do you think it's like a, a top-down thing? Like there's a group of people that wants to create this false reality? You know, this, this matrix system. Yeah. I think people just aren't, aren't empowered. You know, um, we're always looking outside of ourselves for answers and solutions. And in a lot of channel texts, they're even saying it's really strange humans, like humans are so strange. Like we don't really understand why you're always looking outside of yourself for the answers. You are the answer, you know? And I think it takes a long time to get to that realization in this culture. So in that sense of looking outside of ourselves for answers, especially when we're in such a spiritually, empty kind of you know meaningless um situation uh like you know the emptiness of profit for profit fame for fame you know like there's no there's no reason or or or, or um or substance underneath those things then um it just yeah you just you end up looking up to hoping to be saved by shopping you're looking up hoping to be saved by the newest pop star you're looking up hoping to be saved by this television show you know yeah, it's kind of like the the savior complex, you know. Your the Christian religion would be like, you know, wait, you're waiting around for Jesus to come back to save you, and what we don't realize is that we're our own savior. Yeah, we have all the power. Yeah. Within us, it's up to us. <laughs> so, how did you come to that realization that we have? It's we are the answer. That we are one, and the power is within us. Where did you come up? How did you get to there? That point doing it myself. You know, um, I had to pull myself out of my own depression. I, I, like I said, I had healers around me and, um, I've had angelic guides around me my whole life. I just didn't know that they were there because I was in such a low vibration. Um, and I really, my whole reality has been designed to be very painful so that I would rise up out of that. It's like a dark maze, you know? And once mm -hmm. you find your way through that dark maze and you find your way to light and you find your way back home to your true heart, then you have the map. And that's what makes you a healer. So anyone who's able to do that, to find their way through that really dark mess becomes then a healer who can help other people find their way. Yeah, that reminds me of like, your mess is your message. Um, it's the stuff, oh, I love that. the shit that you've gone through ends up becoming part of your, a big part of your purpose, the hardest, Absolutely. your hardest struggles. So anybody listening to this episode who can, who's in a state of anxiety or fear or depression, take a look at this, the challenges that they've seen, like they've attracted into their life, their entire life and the things that they deal with the hardest. And then their job is to heal from those and come out the other side 
And then now they have this experience and this knowing that they can be a resource, a healer, a light for other people going through the same thing. And it's definitely part of their purpose, whether they literally call themselves a healer or maybe they're an artist and they just create work that has been inspired by their pain and their struggles will heal other people just by being around it. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your message you know, is your so, message. I love that. It's so funny. You're talking about that alarm um, at the beginning of this. and You made the alarm. But yeah. I, I did the same thing. I have got unit alarms. And I'm organizing really? a bunch of artists to get these alarms together. Um, we've got probably like 10 different alarms. We haven't released them yet, which is so fun. I was just like, how did you know? Like, <laughs> what? Seriously? <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. So I've got one alarm that's out now. And then um, I actually... I. I went through a really, really, really dark time um, last September. It was like my last dark time. I let go of all my fear and pain mm -hmm. and I had no one to rely on. I had to face my deepest fear, which was being alone. I was betrayed and I was alone. And so I had nothing to rely on except for myself. So I created all of these alarms and videos to myself to talk myself out of this dark time and out of this depression. And um, that's where the idea came from. So, yeah. so one of the things I had in my idea for the alarm was doing affirmations. You know, I didn't put them in there. These are just music, but like literally recording, like you, as soon as you wake up, you're in that theta state that, and then, and I would record, like, I am an infinite being. I am, you know, full of love. Like you, I would say those things and people can choose which one they want to listen to in the morning. Yeah. Can I play you? Can I play you one of mine? Yeah. Let me get it up here. I have it to go off before I wake up. Mm -hmm. Good morning. Today is a beautiful day, and you are a kind-hearted person filled with joy. You have enough resources to do whatever you want, and all of your dreams are coming true. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good so it's oh, really awesome. powerful actually yeah wow, it's a like, really good idea that's so crazy it's like exactly what i was envisioning i know it's so funny when you said it. i was like oh my gosh and it was funny i was listening to your and krista's thing and you guys were both making patches at the same time like it's all it's all connected seriously. like we're all doing the same things yeah seriously i i, I thought that was bizarre because i was thinking of creating a starseed event you know a retreat and then i get on instagram and then krista's like post does anybody have any idea if there was a starseed event what would you want and i'm like no fucking way so i'm like i just texted that was the first time i ever reached out to her i said look i'm actually thinking of creating a starseed event we should totally talk about this and make one for each other or figure this out so i think that there's definitely going to be something brewing between her and i and other people perhaps you and i and other starseeds like this and it's also interesting too i made i made krista a, a beat for her raps you know yeah. that was cool so you we produce music as well we're all starting to work together. Um, at the beginning of this year, we had what um, I was calling Earth Council. I had this idea for Earth Council. So I got together some star seeds and um, Christina helped and we got together all these star seeds and we were just talking about like what's next because we're really coming into this time where as a community and as a group of people, we're each so powerful in our own um, everyone is so mm -hmm. powerful in their own right but star seeds are just like kind of on the cutting edge we had to go through the hard stuff kind of on our own and that's made us really powerful and so um you know in our own right and so now we're going to be able to start collaborating and really building this world that we've we've seen glimpses of this really beautiful uh world where everyone i call it unitopia <laughs> of course you do <laughs> you've got a brand for it of course you do it's awesome <laughs> so this is heaven on earth right that's mm -hmm. this idea 
I'm listening to this audio book called the um, the Honeymoon Effect by Bruce Lipton. Uh, April and I are going to do a podcast about it probably next time, next week or something. But it's yeah, it's literally living in that state of happily ever after, you know, for eternity, you know. And we're it's like we all know our star seeds. We all know that that's possible. And I think we have that internal knowing from all of our histories, all of our past lives and parallel lives that we are here on this planet to help usher that in forward. So what's your what's your big perspective on like the way that the planet is right now, where you see it going and what you think our role as people who are listening to this episode and us on this episode, what do you think our role is in this big picture? Yeah, it's um, it's all it's micro macro in the sense that it's all got to be on the individual level and that makes the global level. So Unitopia is when we're all living by our true hearts. And that means that um, whatever I'm doing, if I'm following what my true heart says, then that doesn't mean that everyone has to do what I'm doing. That means that I need to do what I'm doing. And then everybody else lets me do that and promotes me and helps me do that. And then also that happens to everyone. You do what your true heart wants you to do and everybody else supports you and does that. And the listener does whatever their heart true, their true heart wants to do. And we all support them with that. And when we're all living in accordance with our true hearts, that's harmonious, that's harmony. So we're in this disharmony right now because we're all doing things we don't want to do. We're all out of alignment with what we're actually wanting to be doing. And society's set up to um, make it so that we can't, <laughs> we can't live our true life. Um, or it's, or it's really, it's not that we can because we can, but it's very difficult at this time. But mm -hmm. society will become much easier in that sense. We're going to be starting um, businesses that are taking more awareness for the needs of the employee, you know, the employees are going to be able to provide more for the companies and it's just, everything's going to become easier. Technology is going to help us ascend. It's all, it's all actually happening. It's so funny. Cause like I, I'm always surrounded by people like, like you and like star seeds who are already knowing this. And then I talk to a few friends from my past or whatever, who are still stuck in that cynical pessimistic state and they haven't changed that into hopefulness yet. And, um, and that is, it's not a bad thing, but it's always a shock to me because because they're like, oh, I hope I hope what you're saying is right, and I'm like, what? No, it's right. Like, <laughs> it's happening. It's already happening. Yeah, because your you know your brain, your frequency is attuned to that to the positive action that's actually already happening. You know, you're part of the ones creating it, but your vision sees it. A lot of these people, they're like their vision is either based on what the media gives them, which is very fear based, you know, or the people that are directly surrounding them, which maybe are not also hopeful. Um, you know, my, I mean, I, I don't like to pick on my mom too much about this, but she's definitely in the, in the state where she's, she's well aware of all of the bad going on in the world, you know, and she's very vigilant and, and uh, defensive about like the future. And she doesn't, she thinks the future is going to be really, really bad. Collapse, war, zombie yeah. mentality. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And there's people out there that definitely preach that, but I think that you get to a saturation point when you immerse yourself in that material that you're just like good gravy like is there any hope on in all of this and then it's like well what can i possibly do what is my job you know i can't sit there and continue to post on facebook and try to wake people up you know right. wake up the we sheeple, sheeple. <laughs> <laughs> you know like okay that just becomes total noise and people start to hate you you know like people get really annoyed with you and they want to leave facebook which i i've done before but um, I, I think we've all been through that, you know, like yeah. that's a necessary stage to go through the conspiracy theorist, you know, recognizing, seeing, seeing the lies in order to find the truth. It's, I think of it just as a, like a, like a stage, like in, in enlightenment. Cause you, the way I see the path to joy is cynicism turned into hopefulness and then, um, truth. And so 
cynicism is the first step on the path to joy. If you're cynical about the world, that means you're waking up, that means you're aware. But then all it takes is to change that cynicism into hopefulness and be like, no, okay, it's bad, but it's gonna get better. And as soon as you do that, like everything shifts and changes for you. Yes, tell me more about your path to joy. I saw you listed out on your website. Could you give us a breakdown? Yeah, um, it's cynicism to hopefulness and then truth, listening to your heart. Um, it's five steps and I actually don't have them memorized. <laughs> um, I don't know which ones go first, but then there's um, creativity, which is creating your own reality, creating as much of your consumption as possible. Consumption really gets us down. We feel guilty for our consumption, especially in Western countries and um, just with all of our wealth. And we know that all of this consumption is like killing the planet. We think of it all of this like really bad way, but then also we need to be consuming to survive. That's what life is. And so how do we find this balance? And the balance comes with creation. So creation, I say creation is the cure to consumption. So when we're able to create as much of our realities as possible with ideas, with businesses, with inventions, with art, with relationships, with community, creating our realities um, and creating what we consume creating our own media is huge um then we're going to be ascending into a higher way of being and then the last step is time and dedication because it's not unfortunately it's like really slow <laughs> yeah it takes a long time to get to a state of near constant joy um but it, it does come is this after. what is this what the old uh masters would just call the state of enlightenment or nirvana yeah i mean it's i i live in I didn't actually know that constant joy existed, but since I let go of all my fear and pain in September, um, or I guess it was November, I live in a state of constant joy. And that doesn't mean that bad things haven't happened and I haven't gone through like challenges, but I have been able to see the love and the joy. And it's, it's a really ascended state and I never thought I would reach it. So I have the highest hope for everyone and all of humanity. So that, that's amazing. Um, it sounds so simple. You said, I let go I of all my fear and pain in September. <laughs> like, so all you listeners, that's just, just do that. After you're just done do with it. this episode, let go of all your fear and pain. Just like, let it go because it's a choice. And that's what's so crazy. I say, um, I have all these, like, I think of my tweets as quotes. Um, but inevitable hardship is here to show us that suffering is a choice. Because yes, you're going to experience hardship, everyone does. And then we suffer and suffering's fine to have for a little while, but our ego is actually just attachment. When people say ego as like a negative thing, what they actually mean is just attachment. And we are attaching value to pain and value to fear. We think that it's going to be protecting us or keeping us safe, but you can actually choose um, to let go of that. And you can choose to just feel love instead. It's, it takes practice and you, it takes a lot of going through a lot of hardship um, in order to work your way through it, to finally figure out what that means. Um, but it is just a simple choice, which is really weird. Yeah. Okay. You said something really big there. Okay. So talk about the power of choice. Like we are infinite beings. We have free will, but we have convinced ourselves that we don't have choice, that we're stuck with the job that we have or the, the bad relationships that we're in. So, but and I've, we've heard all along that like happiness is a choice, you know, <clears throat> people would tell that to me. It's offensive, huh? And it would be like, well, yeah, easy for you to say, because you don't have to worry about where your next paycheck's coming from or this or that. So talk about how that actually is a choice and how that works on like a 
pretty practical level. Yeah, it's I the power of positive thinking is no joke. And when you're depressed and you hear somebody say happiness is a choice, um, it really can offend you and make you want to just prove them wrong because we do hold this really strong attachment to our pain and um, because it is very blinding and it doesn't feel like you have control over it. But I found that coming out of depression is like, um, it's like lifting weights. So you've got like this huge barbell and you're like, well, I couldn't possibly lift that. People are like, well, just lift it. You, all you have to do is lift it. And you're like, I can't, like, I can't just lift that huge weight. Like there's no, you don't understand, like I can't, but it's not about lifting that big weight. It's about lifting little weights. It's about monitoring your thoughts and catching it in the smallest way and saying, okay, I have a self-deprecating thought there. How can I change that into a self-loving thought? And then you do that you know, all day, every day for like a year and you make these big changes in your life. You cut out people who are harming you. You quit jobs that are harming you. You find your true purpose. You know, it's like really big things. Mm -hmm. um, but on it's like a day to day, small weight. And then finally, after enough time has passed and you've dealt with enough stuff, you've gotten strong enough and you can lift that big weight. So happiness is a choice. Yes, you can lift that big weight, but it does take work. It does take time and dedication. And it is um, it is a choice, but it's a choice to start lifting weights. <laughs> yeah, and usually when you're in that state of depression, I think the best thing to do is really just look for your closest feeling of relief. Um, like that's the small barbell, that's a small weight. And it may just be going into the park and feeling the breathing in the fresh air it might give you a little bit of relief. And then you just follow that little nugget of relief and and just allow yourself that privilege of going yeah. down that path you know because when and i can be depressed and i can feel my own suffering and pain but it's different now like i after i've gone through that de depression period and i've done all of this spiritual work and everything for the past couple of years and it's not like i was following someone else's instructions i'm literally following that grain of relief and inspiration and curiosity and so it's not like I knew the plan on how to like get to where I'm at today. It is ever it's just a day by day thing. And so this is where it's taken me. Um, but yeah, now I can feel this pain and wrap it in a space of acceptance and love. And it's completely different that you feel pain, but you no longer feel like this uh, helpless suffering around it that you used to feel before. Sometimes the pain is more it. intense though. Sometimes it's like, yeah. whoa, holy shit, I hurt really bad. Like, and it has, like uh, I went on a date the other day and, and she didn't text me back after the date. And it's like so simple, but I was feeling so much pain coming up to deal with, to be confronted and healed that it's like, well, okay, just let it go, you know, be able to let it go. But it's strange. Something like that might not have bothered me before, but I think perhaps I would have distracted myself a lot better with movies, video games, you know, uh, coffee and friends. And I would just deny it and try to not think about it. But now it's like, I love kind of feeling that emotion come up and I, allow myself to take a long nap and sit with it and meditate with it and try to ask what it is here to teach me for. So it's pain is different now. And hopefully I won't have as much of that <laughs> as I go yeah. and in integrate whatever that lost part of myself is that the pain and detaching another example of letting go of the attachment to the results and accepting you have to accept it you mm -hmm. know um if you're trying to fight it and say well i'm not supposed to be feeling pain i'm ascended now you know like you're gonna <laughs> totally. stay in stay in pain um i went through a really bad breakup um you know in september like i was explaining mm -hmm. and um like betrayal and everything and 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 i was so mad because there was like a lot of lying and, and all i care about is honesty you know <laughs> like i don't even know how i put myself into that situation but yeah um 
I was so mad. I was so mad. I've never felt such anger. And, uh, and I'm like, it's driving me crazy. Cause I just kept thinking I'm supposed to be able to like overcome this. Like I know what I'm doing spiritually. Like I, I could see it, you know, I'm like, I know that whatever's after this is going to be so much better than I can even imagine, which it, it is. Um, and even though I knew all that, I still was raging. I was mad and I look back now and I'm like I had every right to be mad here's like a relationship that I was like expecting to be like stable and good and like the one relationship or whatever Mm -hmm. and like this is what it comes down to is like the most petty like dishonest stuff and so um I made my like phone screen I like changed my phone screen to be like um like let it go let it go you know like all these like let it goes in my reality just like all (laughs) around me and eventually I did work through it but I think part of it is just accepting like it's okay to be angry it's okay to feel sad if somebody doesn't text you after a date like it doesn't it doesn't like make you like less of a enlightened person it makes you an enlightened person to experience emotions like you're allowed to experience the full spectrum of emotions we're humans there's hardship like but the thing is that it's not it's not being attached to that and it's it's just keeping to grow it's keeping Mm -hmm. progress progression i think that's the 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 catch that people talk about is like a lot of times in new age circles there's this idea that like oh you're feeling sad well you're doing it wrong you must be got to raise your vibration get out of your sadness Uh, or like you can't be angry because that's a low vibration. You know, there's like this uh, cutoff of like the of a spectrum of human emotion that they think you're not allowed to feel experience because it's bad or something like that. But I love your perspective and I, I would agree with it too, where you're allowing all emotion to exist within you. Like me as someone, I'm a very positive person all the time. You know, there's very, very rare where I feel rageful or angry. And yeah, no, it's like the first time. <laughs> I know you're like, whoa, where's that coming from? <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> and I think that's actually okay. Cause I mean, I went to like a hypnotherapist one time to kind of, uh, she wanted to do some regression on me and she was practicing. So she had me try to face some of my angers. And I was like, there's this one particular person that was in my life that had really hurt me, but I was already in, in a state where I was very much forgiving and and passed it, but I still was dealing with a lot of sadness and conflict inside. And so she's trying to find my anger and I, I couldn't find it. Cause I don't, I'm like, do I really stuff it down so far or do I just not feel angry? So I tried to pretend that I was angry and it was really awkward. I was trying to pretend that and I had this little rubber hose that she wanted me to hit the, <laughs> the bench with. So I was like, well, I don't want her to think that I'm like not very good at this therapy. So I better pre- try to like, look like I'm mad or something. And so I'm doing it. And then it's like, I got more like embarrassed because it didn't feel authentic to me. I'm like, why am I trying to pull out an emotion through this process when all I really need to do is just allow whatever emotion I'm feeling to actually exist and not have to go hunting for it. You know, like if I don't feel angry in the moment, why should I bother trying to find how I'm find it somewhere? And if you don't feel happy in the moment, like the, the way I see it is we should only be feeling what's been not feeling, but we should only focus on what's beneficial for us to focus on. So if it's beneficial for you to focus on happiness, usually for most people, it is beneficial to focus on positivity and happiness, then that's what we should be focusing on. It's not beneficial to focus on anger necessarily, but it's, it's okay to have it. You don't have to like mm-hmm. pretend like you don't have emotions you don't have. You don't, you don't ever need to do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
I mean, unless you're trying to make your therapist feel validated, which is something stupid that I I would do. (laughs) A totally backwards thing. I know. And that's, that's really like one of the keys to enlightenment and one of the keys to, um, to our society really rising up is the state of authenticity and is this place of truth where we've been lied to so much. And, um, you know, all of advertising is based on falseness and, um, and presenting things not as they are and trying to make you feel a lack when you don't actually have a lack so that you buy into this broken system that's not actually helping us and, you know, debt and everything like that. So, um, authenticity is just coming from basically it's working with technology technology is making us all more authentic um the fact that anybody can record a cop in the street and the fact that you know um cheaters are being outed on ashton madison you know technology is is making us more honest and authentic and that is the future so Mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't and that's why i say joy is all authentic emotion because you're anger or lack of anger is authentic and you can accept it and you can you know um we we should have a world where that is allowed yeah and something else i heard about that is that the planet itself is is helping usher in the age of transparency and honesty do you have any thoughts on the planet's involvement and mother earth i don't think we we know half of what's real (laughs) (laughs) totally I think of us as um, infinitely dimensional beings, and I think of Earth as the same. So the Earth exists on these other dimensions as we do, um, and she's working as we are on these other levels. And so, yeah, undoubtedly, she is our mother. She is completely connected to every single one of us. She nourishes us. She supports us. She gives us life. She has this unlimited energy. And I actually had this experience where I channeled the Earth directly one time mm-hmm. um, I was like drunk and high on top of a mountain in a rainstorm, like just channeling the earth. And like, I didn't know what I was doing because it was before I was even like awake, but it's weird how like, I don't really drink um, that much ever really. And that lowering of inhibitions as translated into my reality just means I'm, I'm doing something like channeling the earth. You know, I'm not like sleeping with strangers or something. I'm like <laughs> channeling the earth. <laughs> Um, that's the best but basically she told me that um our joy is her joy our health is her health so when we're healthy she'll be healthy we don't have to focus so much on like you know stop polluting you're killing the earth it's like when we heal ourselves the earth will be healed as well yeah yeah that's really the one of the biggest takeaways is it starts from within you have to heal yourself and that's all you really have to do so many like um people our age feel like they've got to change the world and so they want to be a big deal and go help other people and and bring give give shoes to people in africa you know and that makes the rest of us feel guilty if we're just like a painter or something or a musician you know and we want to make music or pop music you know like if god forbid you're actually into pop music and pop culture and you're into celebrity, you know, like that's not helping people in Africa, but actually it really is because, you know, you're doing your part by being authentic and true to yourself. And then you're an inspiration for other people to, it's like a permission slip for other people to say, I can do that too. Like, okay. And then we support each other in our, in our role. That's what Starseed Supply Company eventually wants to be, you know, like supporting each individual Starseed creator in that world. Well, yeah, and like Unicult has, Unicult's way bigger of an idea than it looks at this time. It's going to grow into something bigger. And eventually I would like to be employing people 
um, to do whatever they want, you know, paying people to do whatever they want and then have that work financially. So it's mm. a really futuristic idea, but in the next, you know, 10 years, I can actually see it being a feasible possibility. So um, it's yeah. really exciting to have all these star seeds on earth with these really futuristic ideas and um, organizing them into, I'm, I'm an organizer, so I can already see where everybody fits and like using everybody's skills, however they want to use them in a way that just makes it better for all of us. The way we view profit and pain and everything is like, um, okay, well, I can only be rich if I take all this wealth from other people or um, we can't focus, like when people are always saying like all lives matter instead of black lives matter, like you're just taking away from the fact that like all pain is legitimate. We are, we can focus on black pain at this time and heal it. And it doesn't need to be about all of us at once because your pain is also valid. Like we can have white pain and we can focus on white pain and we can heal that as well. Focusing on one particular group, focusing on, you know, your own pain doesn't mean that you're taking away from Africa. You know, you can, you can focus on yourself. You can focus on, you know, LGBT issues. You can focus on like these different aspects. It's focusing on one particular person or one particular group's pain never takes away from healing other people. We can, we can, we can heal all of it. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to like be jumping on these things and saying, oh, well, but what about me? But what about them? But what about this? It's like, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes to all of it. <laughs> Yeah, that is the, the primary reaction when you see something like that. You see that, um, oh, hold on a second, someone's knocking on my door. One second. I think uh, it was a door-to-door -door bread salesman, sales saleswoman. <laughs> <laughs> she was uh, Hispanic and she was asking me if I wanted one and I was like, so confused. I'm like in the middle of this podcast and I'm like, I don't want a piece of bread right now. Sorry. <laughs> so random. So random. I don't even know where I, where we were talking about. but there's... I think we somehow ended up on like healing pain in the world. And... Okay. So, okay. After this distraction, I do want to talk to you about paying attention. And that's something that you have, you bring up in your videos and you talk about in your blog and stuff like that. So this idea of focus, we're talking about, you can focus on anything and, and, and what we pay attention to flourishes, you know, you've got a plant, you water it, you pay attention to it, it grows. But like the ones that you don't pay attention to or don't water, they'll die. And that's the power of like consciousness. It's like our ability to, to laser it in on something very specific for a short period of time, you know, will definitely help a part of ourselves or whatever we're focusing on thrive. So you say in your videos, you say, thank you for your attention. Um, so tell me what attention is to you and where you came up with that thing. Why is that a big deal? Yeah, you described it really well. Um, I believe we are the guardians of this planet. I believe that our attention is magic. I call attention a commodity and then I call it a commodity because attention is no joke. Um, and it's just like you said, I don't even think the way that we understand science right now is that the physical world created consciousness. Um, but that I don't think is true. I think consciousness created the physical world. And so in that understanding, attention is completely holy. 
and attention creates our reality attention creates um our world attention creates everything and that doesn't mean that like um i don't know there's a lot of fine lines where people say well what about like it's not like i could just imagine this or that and it's like there's a lot of examples where you actually could so uh just because attention attention isn't only in your mind attention is also in your hands attention is also in your conversations with other people attention is in your daily work attention is it's not just like you sit there and you focus on it in your mind and that's the end of the story attention has to do with how you're internalizing something how you're applying it to your own life um and once you realize the power of attention then uh advertising makes sense and um tv makes sense and <laughs> mm -hmm. why <laughs> I mean, people want to really... be famous mm -hmm. yeah and i think there is that sort of understood i mean fame is a really complex an interesting topic because fame doesn't actually it's it's not actually like a really good state for humans to exist in necessarily um a lot of humans don't actually thrive being in the spotlight and being famous and everybody kind of knows that but we still a lot of us still want to be famous and some of us don't and so that's a really interesting distinction between yeah. um people who want to be famous and people who don't and i've always wanted to be famous ever since i was really young again part of my purpose um and i recognize the things that i will give up as a famous person um, when i do reach the state of celebrity that i've manifested but um it's definitely i think it can be uncomfortable to have that much attention and not be able to filter it into things but when i i i don't i don't even know how to talk about it but as like um an energy worker as a witch like taking that attention and filtering it back out into the people who are giving me attention and, and using it as an energy to benefit them directly mm -hmm. is, um, what, why I, why I like that. Yeah. And I like where you're going with the celebrity thing. I think it's going to transition into your, your sex tape that you're releasing. So, <laughs> yeah. okay. So tell, tell people about your sex tape and why you decided you wanted to create it and how it fits into your vision. Unicorn is a self shot self-edited, self-written, self-starring, self-made completely pornography, um, starring just me. I have, I have a friend in it who's helping me establish some plot because it does have three different plots. And, um, I, I do this thing where I spend a lot of time in my head and then I just walk around after I realize what I've realized. And then I expect everybody else to know what I've realized and <laughs> no one knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> And so that did happen with this particular project. I did not take the time or care to explain to my followers like what it meant to me to be making a pornography um, until really recently I did that finally. But I had all these people like urging me not to do it and I didn't understand it because I had already figured it out in my own head, like um, <laughs> yeah. all of the benefits and reasons and like what it would look like and what it would be like. And, uh, and to me, it makes perfect sense as part of the trajectory of being a famous person, um, the ownership of celebrity bodies, being um, really owning my sexuality as a spiritual leader and saying sexuality is holy. And there's all these, there's all these reasons. Mm -hmm. and yeah, so you've got a I, lot of good reasons. If, if, if so, the listeners, you go to your Unicorn Unicron YouTube channel, you've got a, your, one of your latest videos talks all about the reasons. So yeah, check out that video. It's called pornography exclamation mark. And um, <laughs> But I, I don't think that sexuality is something to be ashamed of. And additionally, this is not a porn that you that you've ever seen before. 
Um, and I don't want to give too much away because I, I do have the price jacked up pretty high because I have been working for 44 days straight on this, um, waking, working, sleeping, waking, working, sleeping. Like this is, it's huge to shoot it yourself, to edit it yourself. Um, most of the music is my own music, but I've used a few songs from Christina Martin and Jeremy Garner as well. Um, so just, it's been a huge amount of work. And so it is $222. I had the price originally at $444. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that, that, um, that's really expensive <laughs> and I want people to be able to see it. So I feel like people could, could somehow get together the 222 if they really want, do want to see it. But the thing is that, um, I am a full-time pop star cult leader and this is my job now. So I, and it's also what I value it at. So the price, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of the price at all. I just, mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't, I don't want to appear as though like I'm so excited about these profits or anything, but I am pretty excited about the profits from it because it's, it's really taking a huge part of my, um, of who I am. And, and, and that's what I'm kind of selling, you know, it's, it's, it's an honest depiction of my creativity, of my sexuality, of my, um, mm-hmm of who I am. And it's a, it's a, it's pretty, probably one of the closer glimpses that you could get to Unical Unicron. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think it's actually a really brilliant idea. And, you know, and I, I laugh at the, at the price, but at the same time, like I understand your motivations for it. I read your Reddit AMA and you said like, well, it's intentional to create a high value product and record it on VHS because you're basically creating an artifact and, you know, you're smart enough as a, and you're smart and you're conscious enough to know that, this is just going to create more con- conversation about it. And, mm-hmm. and, um, someone's going to rip it to, uh, the internet and then post it for free. And it, you know, because that it's got a high price, it creates more mystique about it. And like, and I love what you said, you owned it in such simple terms. You're like my sexuality, my terms. And I was like, you know what? I mean, I really admire that because so many people, entrepreneurs and creators and artists are so ashamed of charging for their work. So they're ashamed about making money, and then they're also doubly ashamed about their sexuality in a lot of ways. I come from a place where, yeah, I've dealt with shame about making money and shame about my sexuality. And those have been two things that I've had to heal a lot in the past uh, two years. Um, so listeners yeah, of my podcast, yeah, <laughs> listeners deal. of my podcast know, yeah, okay, they say traditionally men are socialized to be like these sexually liberated guys. It's okay for guys to go out there and have a lot of sex, but that's not the case. For me, that's not how I was raised. I was raised that guys that do that are basically evil people. You don't want to be like that. So I kind of desexualized myself and suppressed a lot of that. And then so now in a lot of the healing work, because I would look at, okay, I would look at women who were very sexual. And before, I, when I was younger, I would think of them as slutty. You know, that's the perception. But when I started doing my own healing work on it, I would talk to sexually empowered women and look up to them like how do you do it how do you like how do you justify your or how do you allow yourself to go out there and have a lot of sex and and explore that part of yourself because when i try to do it i feel really bad about it i feel guilty and so they've actually helped me feel very uh helped me heal a lot of that so now when i see that you're coming out with a porn i'm actually like so pumped for you and so excited about it and i think it's it's a permission slip for all of us to be able to own our sexuality and to because what you're going to do is step out there with it on your terms, not let somebody else leak it or decide what your sexuality is. You know, you get to decide what that is. So can you tell me, I know I kind of rambled on a little bit there, but tell me like why you wanted to choose a sex tape and how it fits into your vision, why you wanted to record this and put that out there. 
yeah, I think it's so interesting. I really love that what you just shared because it's um, we all have these really deep shames with sexuality. Um, even if we are promiscuous or even if we are out there, there's still people we still have we all have really weird hangups and everything about sex and about letting go and about being our true sexual selves. And I think pornography has had a lot to do with that um, in the sense that like we think of sex as this one thing um, that isn't actually always enjoyable for everyone, you mm -hmm. know? So that's just part of it. And then like, there's the religious shame, the societal shame. Um, I'm so sorry. I forgot what you asked. Well, why did you want to make a sex tape? Like, okay, you, you make music, you talk spiritual stuff. Yeah. Where did the sex tape come into play? Well, um, I love media. I'm obsessed with brainwashing and I'm obsessed with attention. So <laughs> you just flat out own it, right? You know, like a lot of people are going to say she's just an attention whore. She's right. just a slut because she's not. Now she's charging 220. What kind of what kind of woman is this? You know, like she's so greedy. <laughs> I'm exactly who I am. And that's it's beautiful. And there's not I have nothing to be ashamed about, because like I said, everything I'm doing is aligned with this higher purpose. And um, and I'm I'm in communication with really higher level beings. And I myself am a pretty higher level being. Um, and I've allowed my higher self to integrate into um into my life and into my my person who i am now and so i have i have no no reservation about saying these things because i i do i do know completely that they are in alignment with this higher purpose and this this it really is challenging to people because it does push them um into really questioning why they're being so um judgmental or critical and it's always coming back into yourself so if you look at somebody who's making a porn you say oh you slut you know it's like what are you so afraid of in yourself you know <laughs> exactly exactly but um so the fact is that i am obsessed with all these things and not just in my own life but as concepts and so um there's no attention quite so wrapped as someone watching and waiting for a young woman to like take her clothes off right you're sitting there you're like what like to like and like to see that and to like experience that like that is that is like the most attention that i could ever get as a woman you know <laughs> and so to take that attention and again filter it through um my understanding of the world wrap it up in these higher level concepts integrate the subliminal programming that i do um, and the overt programming, and then put it back into the consumer as a truly empowered media, um, then that is why that why I chose pornography. And I see the power of pornography. I see how detrimental it has been to us as individuals and as a society mm -hmm. in the sense that it's um, instigating patriarchal ideals. It's instigating um, a lot of uh, like violence and, um, and it's taking away from a lot of potential pleasure that we could be having and a lot of potential magic that we could be doing with each other. Yeah, no, you're so right about that. I think that, um, people say the same thing about money, you know, like money is bad. Money is people who have money abuse it. And what's, we get this, we end up building this like culture where, um, you've got people that who are doing good, like somehow won't accept money or won't take money or, and, but they will take money for things that they don't like to do. And then there's the porn, the people who, who are empowered enough to make porn kind of have a, an agenda that's not very um, good for humanity. You know, the people that have the ability to create mainstream pornography have a different agenda that's one, that does not necessarily align with your highest good. And so, yeah, and so like what you're doing is you're kind of flipping the script and using your ability and your soon-to-be celebrity to empower people to be to pursue their path of joy and and it's and that's one of the more it's like you have your whole cam church thing 
So you're like, you get on your webcam and to, and you, you host a little sermon or whatever. You like teach people your spiritual principles and stuff like that. What's that like for, for you and for your um, viewers? Cam Church is every week. It's on Sunday morning. And I have a whole setup, like a whole kind of scene that I set up on my bed. <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, it's on my free cams, which is one of the lowest vibration websites I've ever been on. And so <laughs> totally. Yeah. You said something like it's a, it's a place where men can say horrible things to women and get away with it. <laughs> yeah. It's um, I've really not experienced that since like the early days of the internet, you know, um, on those early message boards and forums where people were just like evil to each other. So that's really kind of what's going on there. It's like really a deeply shame oriented thing. You pair the shame and this, I'm talking just about the users of the website and not all the users, but a majority of yeah. the users are um, <clears throat> using the anonymity um, and the free platform to just consume the really bright, beautiful, pure energies of these young women. Cam girls are amazing. And I wish I had talked more about cam girls in that video because um, cam girls are some of the most innovative, smart, hardworking um, people that I've ever seen. They are like sunlight in a dungeon. And that's that's what cam church is. Um, as far as being on my free cams, but it's pairing, it's really bringing the light into, it's changing the platform, you know, by me coming onto my free cams to do cam church, it's really um, bringing this light and people who, I just, I love, I freaking love the idea of somebody waking up Sunday morning, ready to masturbate, like dick in hand, like find cam church. And like, they start learning about all these like high level <laughs> concepts. And they're just like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, not just high level concepts, but fucking aliens. <laughs> yeah aliens and like Channel. creativity and you know joy and all of these things and like what and like there's all these people like interacting who are not being sexual and sometimes people yeah. will come in we've got a joke on cam church it's like what about the vagina because like people will come in and just say like is your vagina hairy like what about the vagina like they'll just be asking like the most ridiculous <laughs> questions and it's like obviously church and it's like i started it thinking it would become more sexual but I think that the viewers and I actually appreciate having it just be church on the sexual platform because it really creates this hilarious dynamic and this really um, so there's no sexual component. I haven't been on a been to church yet. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> I have like a really it's like like I said my sexuality my terms so the prices are very very high so theoretically it could get sexual but like we have to have a pretty big audience for it to happen there's a usually about um i would have to be raising right now i have it set to like 444 dollars roughly um before i would take my robe off and um that would be 444 dollars that people are spending but i would only be getting like half of that because of the price platform it's kind of messed up they actually take half on that, that platform. is ridiculous. That's a lot. It's a really, and they, they actually pay out more than any other site. So that's just, they, you know what you need, you need to create your own I know. platform now. I know that. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so it's like, if the room together raises 400, I, I wear like cute lingerie. So like, then I would take off my robe and be like preaching in lingerie. And then theoretically it could get more sexy from there, but we've never even, I've never even taken my robe off. So <laughs> Cheapskates, that's all. <laughs> we just don't have, it's not a big enough congregation yet. Usually yeah. about, um, you know, 30 or 40 people come. And that's, that's, that's a great audience. Um, but. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's the gonna... $444, that's a, a basically all, all the members of the group kind of contribute to get to that point. Yeah. Not just one it's a, person. It's a group. Yeah, it's a group, a group thing. 
That's actually, it's a brilliant concept, and I love how you're just flipping the script on it again, you know? That's what you do. Yeah, it's just duality, um, because I believe we're all one, and the duality is false. So the fact that we feel separate from each other is not true. Um, people who are evil actually just are good but need healing. Um, everybody's good. We're all one. Sexuality is holy. You know, it's like it's these things seem opposite, but they're not. And that's mm -hmm. our, that's how we've been brainwashed in these really um, repressive, suppressive ways. So did you always feel so sexually empowered or is that a journey that you've taken to get to this point? It's so strange. Um, I am super sexual and I always have been. And I've always viewed sex as this like really casual thing. Um, I'm like a really big promoter of polyamory because I view sex as this like, well, it's not like you're going to get together with somebody and be like, well, you're not allowed to go bowling with somebody else. Like, no, bowling is just something we do together. Like, that doesn't make sense to me because that's the level that I've always viewed sex is like literally equal to like bowling. Like I just like, you've just, always viewed it that way. Yeah. So that is actually changing now. <laughs> yeah. I've gone through, um, I'm in a relationship right now that has totally changed my whole entire understanding of sex. And, um, I'm having telepathic sex now and it's all energetic, like 100% energetic and 0% physical. And so like, the fact that that's possible, um, and I've never really even spiritually connected to any of my lovers. Um, so to do that, even from a long distance, is I, I'm it's, it's duality. I'm just experiencing the completely other side of it. And so I think sex actually is this um, should be can be this really balanced thing of physicality and spirituality. And for us to look at it as purely spiritual or purely physical is wrong. Um, in both cases, Yeah, it's a multi dimensional experience. All <laughs> yeah, around. It's, it's both things. And so that's really been my growth in that case. So um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting, because I thought I had it all figured out. I was like, No, sex is just this is fun. Like everybody just has sex, like who cares? And like, now I'm like, Oh, it's like, it could be meaningful. Like, it could be meaningful and magical, like really, truly magical. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know. I've, I've grown up feeling that sex is always this magical thing. And I think I place a lot of importance because I directly associated sex with love. And so like a bad sexual experience would somehow make me feel like it was a bad love experience. Um, <clears throat> and that was probably one of the reasons why I was so um, selective with my sexuality growing up. It was, I, I didn't think of it. I could never have casual sex. So only now in my thirties, I've decided, I've decided to try to experiment with casual sex. And it's, it's totally weird because it seems like that's the way our culture is being programmed is basically just casual sex only, or only monogamous, um, sex. You can't really have casual plus emotional and spiritual because then that just makes things complicated. Right. But no, I, I, I feel like I firmly believe in a non-monogamous version of sex with spirituality and multidimensional experiences that without the attachment, you know, and, and I've had a few experiences like that and it has been really good. And I, I didn't, you know, some people who I've talked to have like, how did you get to that experience? Because I didn't think that was something like that was possible. It's like, well, I believe in my heart that it is possible. You know, I know that it is there somehow. So how did you, there's like a, the idea of associating sex with true love. This is what was such so heartbreaking because if I couldn't get sex, I felt unloved. And that's been a big part of my healing is to be able to have sex with somebody and not think that they did it because they loved me and they want to be with me. 
but because we both are adults and we both are expressing ourselves through our sexuality and our bodies. And, but it took me a while to get to that point where I can dissociate, not dissociate, because I don't like to do that. I like to be fully present, fully emotionally yeah. engaged. And some of the people that I would maybe could potentially hook up with, they're like, I don't want the emotional part because that's just going to make me have feelings for you and I don't want to deal with that. But I'm like, why can't we just be both fully there? <laughs> like, yeah. and all the feelings and all the vulnerability and all of the amazingness that it could be. But that's really scary for some people. I think the main thing is that like, so you've come to this understanding and this realization that it should be balanced. And that's the same with me Um, in the sense that I was like 100% before this relationship that I'm in now, I, if you had asked me if I would ever be monogamous again, I'd be like, F no. Like that is just asking for someone to cheat on you. That is just asking for trouble. Like I'd rather, I would rather be polyamorous than be cheated on. You know, I don't want, I don't like lying. I don't like totally. dishonesty. Yeah, I'm with you. And so um, I'm like sitting here just talking up a storm about polyamory, thinking it's like the, um, you know, the spiritual end goal and all this stuff. Like, okay, we're going through this monogamous phase and we're going to go into polyamory and then we'll all be polyamorous. And after this relationship, like I really, it was, it's really, it's been really crazy because I've had to um, really look into my own heart and really truly decide what I want to be. And I found out that I am someone who does desire to be monogamous and have that intimate connection, but I've never thought it was possible with the people around me and with the connections that I was making. And so I realized mm -hmm. that being monogamous and having like the mindset like you're talking about, how you naturally are to really be connecting and, um, and spiritually valuing sex is not it's not wrong or bad and it's the thing is that it's not that we're all going to be polyamorous it's the same as like we're not going to all be monogamous the thing is we're all going to be exactly who we're going to be and then once we all look into our own hearts and we decide what our true sexuality is and then we can connect with each other based on that instead of all of these these thought these thought things like like logically we should all be polyamorous because of this and that and monogamy is this and that and it's not like that no it doesn't work that way monogamy is highly beneficial for some people polyamory is highly beneficial for some people mm -hmm. like we can we can all just do whatever we want that's actually enlightened yeah and i've seen a lot of people go the anti-monogamy route and come back to monogamy you know as sort of after they've learned and but then they use that as a platform to say that monogamy is the answer because they tried poly right. and it didn't work you know or they tried poly and and things just went horribly wrong you know or whatever and it's like things like, go horribly wrong in monogamy all they, the time they do i know <laughs> and if you go and if you, you know you could be single and things just went horribly wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i tried being celibate and i got a sexually transmitted disease somehow how did that, that how happen? did that happen <laughs> <laughs> so where do we go from here? Okay, We've, is there anything left you, you want to talk about with your with your sex tape? Actually, when does it come out? A couple of days, Valentine's right? Valentine's Day. Valentine's yeah. Day. Okay, um, so this podcast will be out before that. So Valentine's Day, where can they get it? On my Square store. Um, if you go to my website, unicornunicorn.com, there's a whole tab for, for um, Unicorn. And... Um, yeah, check out the Unicorn. I do I do so much and so it's hard for me to like talk about it all, but look up just look, go to my website, look around, go to whatever you're drawn to, um watch my YouTube video. You know, like it's if you're curious about me and want to learn more, like there's pretty much infinite information. I put all of my journals online. I'm very open about um, who I am and what I'm doing. And so that creates a lot of content just in that honesty. So um, yeah, shop at Unicult Supply Co. That's my store. Um, we sell magical items. 
and um, the store is going to be growing. I'm getting actually uh, magical knives custom made right now for spellcasters to be Sweet. using. That's, a, that's awesome. Yeah, a lot of crystals and things like that. So it's a good store. Good. Okay, so unicornunicron.com is your home base. You can find everything that you need there. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Well, I feel like the energy's wrapping up. It's probably be a good place to, to wrap up, right? Yeah, I feel like we covered a lot. I feel like we were talking pretty fast. I, I have a question for you. Yeah, sure. Are you still not drinking coffee? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I go through I go through periods like long breaks and then back on long breaks when and I back on. To you guys talking about not drinking coffee, I was like pained. I was like, oh, they should just they should just have some coffee. <laughs> yeah, they, if they just had some coffee, their their problems would be solved right now. Obviously, now yeah, it's definitely I'm, one of those things that like it. The anti-coffee thing bubbles up into my reality when I feel like my body wants a detox. And mm, same thing with like being off social media or something like that. There's a reason for me to disconnect and go and go within. And my primary reason for going off coffee was like, who am I that's not like medicated or caffeinated? Who Who is this person? There's a beautiful being that rests underneath the energy of the caffeine, you know? Like I want to have inspiration that comes from reality like real and rather than the caffeine that opens up my vibration and but then you know after a few weeks of that it's like it starts to feel like a safe choice again like my body's like yeah you can have that like because mm -hmm. i'll definitely fight with myself know. i'll fight with myself thinking like well i told myself i wasn't going to have it but should i continue to not have it to maintain this streak you know it's like a disciplined feeling and that also doesn't resonate i need to go with what feels good feels with my heart and my truth and you know, sometimes coffee gets me in that space where I become a good creator. Like I, some of my best work has come under the influence of caffeine, you know, like it just gets me there. But then when I become dependent on it and I still feel shitty all day and I don't, and I'm extra anxious and jittery, that's a, that's a good right. time to say like, cut it out. Yeah. I think there's a difference between listening to your body and listening to your heart. Then if you just like think, oh, it's not spiritual to drink coffee. I can't, you know, um, because coffee is i think of it as like um an energy of we don't live in a society where your productivity like we we value productivity so much and coffee gives us that um and so coffee as that tool to like be participating in this society as the way it's like set up is just i love it i love it um if we did all just like have our days to ourselves and we're all just chilling out and like productivity wasn't a thing because literally we already had everything figured out, then um, we could not drink coffee and we could take naps and we could just rest and do whatever we needed to do. But right now, I think mm -hmm. if you, if you're drawn to coffee, I don't, I don't know people, some people feel so guilty about it, but I don't think you should feel guilty. No, no, no. What you said is good because um, coffee is like the, the nectar or the resource for the matrix. I mean, it's like, if you want to be productive, <laughs> This is like the fuel, you know, to like enhance your productivity. Capitalism could exist without coffee. Honestly. Absolutely not. That's why they give it away for free in corporations. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the the fuel that keeps the worker bee buzzing. You know, imagine yeah. if they cut out coffee from all corporate environments and Starbucks closed across the universe. That would be like <laughs> riots in the streets. <laughs> People yeah. would realize, like, shit, I don't want to work at this crappy job because the coffee's gone. And I'm like, I better, I, I'm, I need to leave. So be like, I can't get up. The entire structure of the matrix depends on coffee. <laughs> Such a good point. <laughs> and then alcohol to to uh, to numb everyone after after it's yeah. over, you know. 
I don't drink alcohol. I never have. So that's never been an issue for me, but, but I'm coffee, not drawn yeah. to it. Um, and there's just like this party, the party scene is, um, it's pop music is really about that, you know, like the party is a big theme in, in pop music and letting go and getting drunk and, um, yeah. letting go of your worries. And I, it's, it's not always very effective because then you're just drunk. <laughs> Yeah, that becomes another thing to worry about after a certain yeah. point. <laughs> another thing to be like, shit, I, I'm so disappointed with myself and my life. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people feel that way and then they just have a drink to forget that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that that's wrong. No, I either. know, and I don't want to like say it either. And like people, it's not bad to have, I don't know. I don't think alcohol is like a very good drug as far as like um, the drugs that we could potentially be accepting in our culture um, as like the way we demonize certain drugs and then accept certain drugs. Um, alcohol as an accepted drug um, is very strange to me because there's a lot of other drugs that we demonize that would actually be more beneficial for us, I think. Yeah. And a demonization is all propaganda anyway. Yeah. I, I totally know because I grew up, I was very anti-drug and I had, because I was a very purist type of person with my sexuality and my drug-free nature so like i would definitely think that like marijuana was horrible you know because it was illegal so kids who did marijuana i thought that were really bad kids and, and we had so much brainwashing against marijuana when we were kids like yeah i mean for it the was... kids that listened to 311 and cypress hill they were all about <laughs> it <laughs> but that was like almost like not mainstream like the mainstream culture is like wacky tobacco and weed is like gonna do this and that and like mm -hmm. i mean we had like a like whole dare program where like they taught us about how like like gun safety at the same time they taught us about like pairing stories of like kids shooting their siblings with like smoking weed and like you're just like what is going on <laughs> like i don't think that this is actually how it's gonna be no that's awful <laughs> and then like um you know it's a gateway drug and it's like aspirin is a gateway drug what's the first drug you take that's a gateway drug nyquil yeah uh dayquil you know when you're a kid like alcohol is a gateway drug. Gate, gateway drug. That's interesting. <laughs> it doesn't even mean anything. You're a gateway drug to yeah. to the spiritual to path. enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think this is good. We're about wrapping up. Yeah. Thank you so much. We're just like talk we could talk probably all day. Well, hey, I'd be done with that. If you ever want to Skype again or collaborate, I think that there could be a good collaboration. Come on, like music would be fun too. Yeah, Musical definitely. You've got a really good voice and good artistic style. I like to create hip hop inspired, like trap, EDM, um, punk rock music. So perhaps there's a collaboration there. And definitely Starseed Supply Company. When I get that up and running, I think you could yeah, be, I'm excited you, you to would see be a good participant in that. We'll have you on our podcast. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's do that. The Unicast. <laughs> the Unicast. Yeah, I would love that. So we'll find, we'll figure something out. But it's very, very great talking to you. And, um, so just one last reminder, where can our listeners find you? Unicolunicron.com or universe.com. That's ones for I's and threes for E's. U-N-1-V-3-R-S-3.com. Not complicated at all. You guys got, okay. <laughs> or just click the link in the show notes. We'll find it. All right. Well, thanks again, listeners, for another episode of the Maker Mistaker podcast. You can find us on iTunes. Give us a rating. If you think this is delightfully weird, I would appreciate a five-star rating. Um, don't give me the one star. This is just magical thinking bullshit. That's not going to help anybody. Don't do that. Give me five stars. <laughs> okay. Take care. And until next time, stay conscious, everyone.